Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. MPB Think and Music Radio are available online and on our MPB public media app. It's simple. Just log on to our website at mpbonline.org to get started. This is MPB Think Radio. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, April 1st. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, House and Senate leadership reflect on the legislative session just passed. Plus, more finger-pointing over a measure that provides another $2 million to a special needs scholarship program. And after Everyday Tech, the American Cancer Society and First Lady Deborah Bryant are touting a new home away from home for cancer patients. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Teacher and state employee raises are among the legislative successes Mississippi Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeves is touting following the close of the 2019 session. Reeves also says lawmakers funded a trooper school for the Department of Safety and $3.3 million to help with staffing at the Department of Motor Vehicles. Reeves spoke with reporters following the session, which ended Friday. Today, we end the session uh, with having passed a truly balanced budget that only spends recurring revenue for recurring expenditures. Uh, We also passed a truly balanced budget uh, that is going to put additional money in our rainy day fund, which could get the number uh, uh, as high as $450 million in our rainy day fund. Just as a reminder, when I came in in 04, that number was at 13 million dollars. And the thing that we as Mississippians know better than most is whether it's an economic disaster or a natural disaster, there are always going to be days that rain. And so I think it's really important that we uh, continue to uh, work towards filling our rainy day fund. Uh, Mississippi's in the best financial shape we've ever been in. We're in the best fiscal shape we've ever been in, and that is a direct result of conservative leadership in the governor's office and conservative leadership uh, in both the House and the Senate. But even though we do have a very conservative budget with, with very conservative revenue estimates, we were able to fund many of our priorities, a $1,500 a year pay raise. What that means is many teachers across this state that were employed when I was running for lieutenant governor are now making almost $8,000 more than they were uh, the year before I ran. And for those that are in an A district or a B district or in, a, in a, excuse me, an A school or a B school or in a school that has improved a letter grade either from F to D or D to C or C to B, um, they're probably going to make uh, and earn almost $10,000 more than they did just a year before I ran for lieutenant governor. In addition to that, we were able to fund other priorities uh, in uh, the budget process, including a new uh, trooper school uh, to put more highway patrolmen on the road, uh, as well as investing an additional $15.2 million in child protection services uh, that will help us uh, better serve uh, those most vulnerable uh, young people that are in foster care. In addition to that, uh, we were obviously able to pass uh, a bill to continue to make Mississippi the safest place in America. 
for an unborn child. Reeves drew criticism over $2 million in additional funding for the state's education scholarship accounts, also known as special needs vouchers. The money was added to the Department of Finance and Administration's funding bill. An effort to extend the ESA program past 2020 had already failed earlier in the session. Some House and Senate members accused the lieutenant governor of sneaking the funding into the bill. Lieutenant Governor Reeves. Well, it wasn't snuck into the bill. It was typed in the bill uh, like every other project that was in the bill. Um, It was a conversation between the conferees, a conversation between uh, the speaker's office uh, and my office. And and I just want you to understand why that's such a priority to me. I sat in that office right over there about a month ago with a mom whose oldest son is a student with special needs who has been able to take her oldest child and move them to a specialty school that has provided that kid an opportunity whereby the kid is now actually communicating with his mom. The same mom has a younger kid that is on the wait list and hasn't had the opportunity to get the same services that her older child has. This $2 million is going to eliminate the current wait list in the education scholarship accounts, and that's important. And as I have told people, I don't know if what I don't know if me pushing so hard for this is a good idea for me politically, and I don't know if the folks on social media are working really hard now to try to beat me in my next election or not, and quite frankly, I don't care. I got elected to do what was right. Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeves. House Speaker Philip Gunn, a Republican from Clinton, says he's proud of a number of accomplishments this session. That includes a human trafficking bill Gunn says was a personal priority. The one that was most important to me personally and the one that we signed into law this afternoon was the human trafficking bill. Many of you have heard me say that I was uh, in attendance a couple of years ago at a conference where a person spoke about human trafficking in Mississippi, just how prevalent it is, not just in our state, but all across the nation. That put a burden in my heart for the issue, for the people who are trapped and caught in that industry, and we set out to make a difference there. We believe that will make an immediate and an enormous impact on the state of Mississippi. You know, we do a lot of things up here sometimes that you have to wait for years to see the results. But this is something that I think is going to immediately affect the issue of human trafficking and begin to protect lives of young people who are caught in that sad and devastating industry. Speaker Gunn also counts the teacher pay raise as a success, even though it was not the amount the teachers wanted. We put about $50 million, I think $58 million toward that endeavor when we uh, initially thought that would be about $1,000 upon recalculations. It was, uh, we were able to stretch that amount out to $1,500. So that's uh, a, a pretty good lick, I think, with combined with the $2,500 raise we did three or four years ago and the step raises that teachers have received each year, I believe they've been able to, uh, over the last eight years, hopefully realize a, a good increase in their, in their pay. House Speaker Philip Gunn. Democratic Representative Ed Blackman of Canton says the session was fairly uneventful. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier it often is slower in an election year. Uh, it was a relatively uh, uh, quiet session. We, I think toward the end we had uh, some hiccups, but it was uh, a session that typically occurs when it's the last year of the term and uh, there are people posturing for re-election. 
and for campaign. But uh, at the last part of the last few days of the session, we had that issue with the finance bill. But, uh, you know, it was not major, but it was a lot of disagreement with it. But all in all, it was a pretty quiet session. In terms of that last bill, uh, Senate Bill 3049, how do you feel about how that happened and, and the result? Well, I, I think the, uh, the Senate showed, uh, leadership showed a lot of disrespect for the members over in the House, putting them in an awkward position by sneaking in that uh, $2 million out of voucher uh, uh, section in the bill uh, without disclosing it apparently to a lot of members on the House side. And uh, the leadership is, of course, going to be new next, next, uh, next year. And perhaps that's why they feel comfortable in doing it now, knowing that they would not have to face the repercussions from it, uh, at least in the House. I know that the lieutenant governor is trying to move to the governor's mansion, but that's, a, that's going to be a different position. And maybe some of the members will have a long memory if he does get elected, uh, knowing that this is an issue of trust. And uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll remember how this came about this time. In terms of that Land Owners Protection Act, uh, you oppose that vigorously. What do you think the outcome is going to be in the long run? In the long run, it means that uh, responsible uh, business owners are going to do what they have to do. But those business owners who will take their business owners who will take advantage of the law, knowing that they, ex- they, ex- they don't face any uh, liability for their failure to protect their uh, their invitees, their customers, and that's what uh, concerned me and concerned a lot of others. That we're going to give them an opportunity to avoid having to be responsible for providing or protecting reasonable protection of their customers, and and in the long run, there'll be some some people who will suffer the consequences. Representative Ed Blackman, Senator Derek Simmons, a Democrat from Greenville, says he's displeased with displeased with the handling of the bill that included the two million dollars in special needs voucher funding. The final vote on the bill was a voice vote. Senate rules require six members to stand, signifying that they demand a roll call vote. Lieutenant Governor Reeves said there were only three members standing. Senator Simmons, the Senate Minority Leader, disagrees. We requested a roll call vote which requires six, and we had six standing. Uh, uh, I am the minority leader in the Mississippi Senate, and certainly Democrats wanted a roll call vote, and we had commitments from several of our Republican colleagues who opposed the $2 million as well to vote to get the $2 million out. Uh, but the chair uh, said that we did not have sufficient numbers for a roll call, which was not the case. Senator Simmons tells MPB's Desiree Frazier about his state of mind after realizing the bill contained the education scholarship accounts funding. I was so shocked to see a voucher, a $2 billion voucher uh, appropriation and a DFA appropriation bill. Usually that would be an MDE appropriation, and we even had a general bill that failed, that passed the Senate, but failed in the House. So there were rumors that, that in the teacher pay raise bill, which we considered on yesterday, that there would be voucher language. And so it was not. So we successfully were able to achieve not getting voucher language in the teacher pay raise bill. But then on a DFA, Department of Finance and Administration appropriation, to see a $2 million voucher in there on a spreadsheet after the bill had passed, 
It's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable, and it is a sad day for the people of Mississippi. Who is responsible for this? Certainly the leadership. The leadership, uh, nothing happens on this side of the Capitol without Lieutenant Governor's uh, dictation uh, and without uh, him uh, telling everybody those that he actually appoints telling them what to do. What happens now? Where's this uh, report at? The report, uh, uh, the motion to table haven't passed. The bill goes to the governor. Uh, the uh, House did the same thing. So they conference report or the bill now goes to the governor. So essentially it has passed both chambers. Yes. And, and, and keep in mind, we support the DFA appropriation. It's a $27 million uh, appropriation bill. It was just two million of the 27 million that members, Democrats and Republicans, did not support. Uh, I hope uh, the voters of Mississippi go to the polls and vote in large numbers in August and in November, so that we can change the way we do business in the Mississippi capital. Do you feel like there's transparency? There is no transparency, and the people back home they want transparency. They want accountability. And it is just my hope that we could think about those things when we go to the polls in August and November. Democratic Senator Derek Simmons. Listeners, are you ready to sound off about this year's legislative session? What did you like? What did you not like? You can make your voice heard during At Issue on Think Radio. That's coming up next at 9 o'clock. The American Cancer Society and First Lady Deborah Bryant are touting a new home away from home for cancer patients. That's coming up after Everyday Tech. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Get your MPB car tag anytime. It doesn't even have to be up for renewal. Simply go to your county office to sign up. When you get an MPB car tag, a portion of the fee helps MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. For details, visit mpbonline.org slash car tag. We'll see you on the road. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Michelle McAdoo with Wilt Couture and Jeremy Thompson, and today we're discussing home networking systems. So guys, setting up a home networking system can be challenging, but with new advances in technology, it doesn't have to be. As technology has advanced, one of the really nice things is it's become much more simple. It's a lot more user-friendly, and the idea of pretty much anyone being able to pull something out of the box and work with it really has become a reality. Yeah, I install these devices all the time, and I've watched them over the years become easier and easier to use, and now you can even set them up from your smartphone. So what are some tips you would give someone wanting to set up their own? own home network? Well, one of the first pieces of advice I would give to someone is it's very similar to what we say about real estate. It's all location, location, location. For one, it's got to be somewhere that you can easily access. But And especially nowadays when you're dealing with wireless, where you place that wireless device in your home or even in your business is so important to what kind of experience you're going to have with it. So placing things, for example, on a metal filing cabinet, really not a good idea if you're talking about wireless signals. 
Uh, likewise, setting things up to run in your kitchen for whatever reason. You know, you remember a lot of high voltage runs through kitchens. So where you place these devices really will dictate your experience. And you definitely want to place it somewhere central to where most of your activity is going on. And for most people, that's actually right in the middle of their house. Uh, when your ISP, your internet provider, is coming to install this in your house, you can tell them where you would like for them to set this up. Make sure that it's a location that is convenient for you. Otherwise, they'll just grab a wire and plug it in. And another thing to think about, when you're talking about all this equipment, it, it's really easy, especially in the world of technology, to get lost in terminology and to get lost in some of the different terms people will throw out there to you. I tell folks, labeling is your friend. Even if that just means taking a post-it note and sticking it on something and say, hey, this is the modem, this is the router, this is the switch. Or even something as simple as, hey, this is the password to get back into it and sticking it underneath the device. You know, while a lot of us computer folks will tell you, no, don't just stick your password out there for anybody to find, I find when dealing with it in the home environment, the likelihood of someone coming along and stealing your password out of your living room is probably pretty slim. So so making sure you make those notes, because it could be another year down the road that you're trying to get into this, and you want to be able to find the information that you need. Absolutely. And when we talk about labeling, we want to make sure that we're not just talking about the equipment itself, uh, but also the adapters, because those can get misplaced if you have to move. Uh, it's hard to find the adapter that goes back into that particular device, as well as the cables that go into your equipment. Uh, this is the one for the dining room. This is the one for the living room. Room, et cetera, et cetera. Always knowing which of those cables goes where will reduce uh, difficulty later when you're trying to troubleshoot a problem. So what are the most common problems you've noticed with home networking systems? When I get called into a customer's house, uh, the main issue is probably speed. Uh, so when I go there, I look at what device they're running, and usually it's some type of outdated equipment. And so I'll say, you need to call your Internet service provider, and you need to get them to come and update this equipment, or you need to take it back to them, and they need to give you an updated piece of equipment. So definitely making sure that your equipment is compatible with today's standards is a good place to start, as well as making sure that you don't have older equipment that is slowing you down, like wireless G or N routers. Both of those are outdated, and they slow everything down these days. And you bring up a great point. Jeremy, and another thing to add on to that is remember that over time, your networking equipment, your home networking equipment will actually wear out. It's, it's, remember, we're asking these things to run 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So over time, with electricity running through it and heat and cooling and all these other things going on, the devices can wear out. So yeah, it is pretty possible that down the road, you will have to actually replace a device or put something in there a little bit newer and just making sure you're staying up with it. That wireless router you had from 10 years ago is not going to be keeping up with what we're doing today. And when it comes to uh, what you hook those devices to, as far as power goes, you may want to consider a battery backup of some kind, but at least a surge protector to protect that device in the event of some sort of power event. So, Michelle, while on the surface, it may seem kind of intimidating to set up and manage a home network, especially nowadays, it really should not be. A lot of steps have been taken, a lot of advances have been made to make the whole process and the whole experience just so much smoother for everyone. So a lot of those challenges can be overcome just by simply doing just a little bit of research and making sure that what you're getting is going to fit your needs. Well, that will wrap us up for today. To hear more Everyday Tech, tune in each Wednesday at 10 a.m. or online at mpbonline.org. For Wilts Contreras and Jeremy Thompson, I'm Michelle McAdoo. This has been Everyday Tech on the Mississippi Edition. This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission.
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Cancer patients who travel miles away from home for treatment in Jackson now have a place to call home while undergoing treatment. Established through the American Cancer Society, the Gertrude C. Ford Hope Lodge aims to give residents some peace of mind during treatments. Allison Tyler is with the American Cancer Society. She tells MPB's Jasmine Ellis more about Hope Lodge. There's no doubt why it was important. We have a lot of people that are traveling over 40 miles to receive their cancer treatment, and we need to increase the number of people when they're diagnosed that complete their treatment because that's going to save more lives in the state of Mississippi. So truly it's about saving lives to us and this will help people finish their treatment and ultimately save their life. And how does this lodge help cancer patients? Well, I think there's a number of reasons. Um, Financially, it helps them because it is a free place to stay. It is no cost to the patient and their family. And then also, I think one of the biggest things that we hear from people that stay here is just the camaraderie with people that have been diagnosed with cancer and a caregiver support system for them as well. So it's a lot of fun. They um, share their experiences. It gives them hope. I think the Hope Lodge says it all is. is The American Cancer Society is about giving hope to cancer patients, and this place will do that. About how many people do you expect will be staying or will be able to stay in this lodge at one time? Um, We have 32 rooms. Of course, sometimes we have to be changing rooms out when people are moving, but we hope to have around 25 to 30 always staying within the Hope Lodge at any given time. So we would like to have it. That would be what we consider full capacity. So we are hoping that we will have anywhere from 25 to 32 patients staying with us at all times. I heard earlier during the press conference that the American Cancer Society is helping people getting to their treatments. Will they be, will the lodge also be helping people getting to and from their treatments? Are there treatments specifically at the lodge? No, their treatments are at all of the medical facilities. This uh, this lodge will serve all of our hospitals in the metro area, and we do. We have a van that, and we have staff that will be driving, and volunteers will help us with that, driving to and from their treatment. So we will take them, drop them off at the door, let them get their treatment, and someone will be there to pick them up. So that's just another burden that we take off them of having to worry about the transportation. Just a big thank you to our ACS donors and volunteers. I mean, we are the American Cancer Society. We are here because of volunteers, so I just say a big appreciation, and anyone that wanted to volunteer with the American Cancer Society can call 1-800-227-2345 at any time, and we can definitely always use more volunteers. Allison Tyler of the American Cancer Society. Mississippi First Lady Deborah Bryant was on hand for the grand opening of the Hope Lodge. Mrs. Bryant is a health care professional who acts as an advocate for patients. She says a facility like the Lodge is going to provide a much-needed resource for patients and their families. Well, this is a celebration. You know, this is a celebration because facilities like this mean so much to families of cancer patients. And, I, you know, being personally affected uh, in my own family, my father was diagnosed with colon cancer, my mother had breast cancer twice, Uh, 96 years old, so she's a survivor, and that's incredible. I have a brother and sister that have been diagnosed in the last year. And this provides hope. And I understand because I deal every day with families that have to come for children who are are sick because I'm a big advocate of the Batson. And um, and for this, for cancer patients, what this means to them to be able to come and be with their parents, uh, their uh, families during treatment. And it's like they said, this provides treatment to those that would otherwise... Uh, not be able to get it because they don't have the transportation or the place to stay nor the um, money to be able to do that. So this is hope. It's just hope.
And what kind of impact do you think this Hope Lodge will have on Mississippians? Oh, I think it's just a positive impact for any state that has something like this to where when their patients can uh, have such a wonderful facility to come and and fellowship together and and provide support. It's just one more thing that Mississippi has that makes it more special. I mean, Mississippi's got a whole lot going for it, and this is just one more thing added. First Lady, is there anything else I have not asked you that you would like to add? You know, you just have to, uh, as far as donors, uh, don't take them for granted because without donors and people with grateful and, and giving hearts to provide to places like this, that just makes it most so special for so many, and it's such a blessing, and they are truly angels here on earth. First Lady Bryant, thank you so much. God love you. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's At Issue on Think Radio. Then at 10, it's Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online by visiting mpbonline.org. You can also download the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores, or you can subscribe to Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi Edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Running a business requires smart decisions every day. Make a good decision for your company today and reach MPB listeners through MPB program underwriting. For more information, go to mpbonline.org underwriting. 